it wasn't enough just to launch one mortar into the sky, we had to figure out how to launch two at the same time. And then it wasn't enough just to do two, we had to do six. And so six wasn't enough, so we had to do 12. And then that wasn't enough, so we had to just keep going and going and going. And, and the funny thing was watching five guys around these fireworks trying to light them all at the same time to get the effect. And then watching them all just scatter. I have no idea what these fireworks look like because not once did I look up in the sky and I just prayed that they were beautiful to people. So my question is, Dale, Cindy, did y'all see anything over at your house? No. So we got to go bigger next year is all I got to say. Um, there's a good chance that one got carried away. And uh, Anyway, had a great fourth and hanging out with friends and having a good time. So I get up here a lot of times and I share about struggles, right? I share about things that don't go right, things that, that are, you know, in life that sometimes hit us as we're walking this faith journey. And uh, I don't a lot of times share about some good things going on. So today, I'm just going to start off and talk a little bit about some good things going on. And just some praises and, and, and things that God is showing up and doing in, in our lives as a, it just says your pastor. And, and one of the things that's been interesting is, is a couple of months ago, about a month ago, a couple showed up and she works for an organization called Beyond Israel. And she, she reaches out to me. I reached out to her. We were in communication, talking. And, uh, and one of the things she said is, hey, there's a pastor's trip coming up in November where all uh, 20 pastors and their wives are getting a scholarship to go to Israel. She goes, will you apply? And I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, we've got young kids and, you know, getting away and all this. It's just probably not a good idea. And so this thing just kept, and I, so I missed the deadline. And so we went out to lunch last week and she looks at me and she goes, Chad, why, you gotta apply. She goes, not all the spots are filled, you gotta go. You gotta apply, it's okay. So I applied and, and the thing is, is like the in-country in expenses are covered. It's the flight piece that was the getting there is not covered. And so we're sitting, and, I, and I, last Monday I was like, okay. And first I reached out to my folks and my brother and his new wife and I said, hey, can y'all cover the kids while we're gone? And they begrudgingly, so I'm just kidding, they said yes. Um, actually, mom didn't say anything, dad said, yeah, we got it. So anyway, um, so there may be a disconnect. Anyway, so we're sitting there and, and I, I applied and I just wasn't sure about thinking this and just whatever. And finally I applied and within 12 hours I get a reply that says, you've been accepted. Your expenses are become so then the next thing was, is some, some lady goes, well, I'm looking at flights for you. And we're going to figure out a way to cover these flights. Well, I'm sharing this story with somebody, and he goes, well, how much are the flights? It's about 1800 between $1,300 apiece, or for a person. And he, and he immediately goes, $2,500 a check in the mail tomorrow to you to cover this, help cover those flights. I'm not done. Monday, um, our little dog Parker, if you know him, he's not little, but our dog Parker was having some dental work. And uh, <clears throat> we get a text from the lady that says, hey, who's your vet? So we said, Milford Village in there, and, and he, she, there's a lady that, like, why are you asking who our vet is? Shows up to our door, hands us this receipt for 500 bucks to cover the expense for the dog. I'm done. She walks me out to the car, or walks me outside, she goes, 
Hey, I'm buying a new car this week. You want this when the AC works? <laughs> you get to a point where you're overwhelmed with gratitude. And you're overwhelmed with what God's doing. Because some of us may be walking through this season where we're like, where are you at? I don't know how much more I can take. And we walk through this season like, come on, God, what's going on? I'm trusting you and I have faith in you. And then he brings you to this point where he says, I'm going to bless you abundantly more than you can ever imagine. And that's what, I feel, that's what we're talking about, guys. We have a God that will take us through these valleys. Notice I said take us through. He's going to allow us to go through. He's going to walk with us through. Guess what? If we don't walk through it in faith, we never see what he has for us. Amen. And as we sit here and we walk in, and you may be in a season like, what in the world? And I even forgot, somebody blessed us with a fridge about a month ago. I mean, and not like a used fridge, a brand new fridge. That matched our stinking dishwasher we bought a year ago. I don't understand all this. All I know is this, that if we keep taking steps of faith, he shows up. So if you're in a season of wanting to give up, if you're in a season, if you're in a season of like, what is going on? Just keep walking. And better yet, do this. Invite some other people around you to walk with you. Invite some other people around you to sit there and walk with you during that season. See, we weren't meant to do it alone. We have a ministry here. Um, today, we're, we're gonna, I want to talk about it a little bit because this is where we're going as a purpose, as a church. We're, so we're in Ephesians, and, and there's see, there's always this more peace to God. There's always this is something more and, I, and even in our own lives there's this inward desire for us to have something more in, in all of this and what's interesting is, is God has something more for the church he has something more for the church remember we started this series off in Ephesians talking about this letter was written from Paul to, um, to the church body not an individual not a single individual but to a body to us as a church body. And we walked through this, and last week we talked about how we are to belong, that we have a place to belong, and that God is, that has orchestrated the church to be this place where we belong and we, we fit in and we can we have a place to go where we are loved and cared for and we, we get to meet and encounter a God that loves us and we get to meet and encounter people that love us and, and all of this. And today we get to this place where Paul's starting and he's starting to transition into something new, but he's at this point where he, he has this thing he's laying out for the church body, the purpose of the church body. See, I think there's three purposes that the church body has. One is our, as a body, a church body, we are to love and, 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 and glorify our Father, praise Father, and, be, and praise our God in heaven. And as that, we reflect His glory. That's number one. Two is this, is that one of the purposes as a church is that we are to love each other so well that people who look at us will see who we belong to. It's two. So one God to each other. There's a third piece that we're going to dive into today. 
And I want us to understand this piece as we look at, at what Paul writes, is that I want you to catch this, this idea of uh, why we exist, not only to love God, to love each other, but there's a third piece that, that, we, need to that we need to understand and start walking out. And so here's what I want you to do. Take two minutes, and I've got a clock going. Take two minutes, and I want you to, to write your story of how God has saved you, has rescued you. Some of you are looking at me like, Chad, you can't do that in two minutes. Listen, this isn't like the dirty, dark, deep, deepest things of, I spent, you know, 12 years in drug addiction and all this, and I'm not, listen, you had an encounter, you met God, I just want you to come up with a quick story of how you met God. Ready? Go. You can write it on your card, you can write it on your bulletin, just write your story. God shows up when you start walking out. 
Like, that's the story of LifePoint. He, he doesn't, like, if I were to sit back and be like, okay, here, here's the piece. If I were to sit on my tail and wait for God to show up, guess what I would never see? I wouldn't see anything. I would be in a place of, like, what's going on? What is this piece? What, 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 why isn't he showing up? And see, he requires us to walk something out. He requires us to do more. He requires us to walk out our faith. And when we do that, guess what happens? He shows up every time. Not in my timing, not in your timing, but in his timing. And I can go story after story of things that have happened, things that have taken place where God has just shown up because we walk out in faith. Amen. It's amazing to see what God does. One of my all-time favorites, other than the trailer story, is I posted a horrible job posting on CCU website for a worship leader. Thinking I'd get a college student. Didn't know what was going to happen. It even took a month to even do it because I knew like I was afraid or whatever. I was hesitant. And God blessed us with an amazing worship leader. Did he not? He shows up. I mean, that's the story of this church. That's the story of my life. That's the story I want for your life. Is that you walk out this faith that he has for you. You see him show up. And we see this peace in Paul too. And go to Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has, been, has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This ministry, excuse me, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ, Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized, realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. You know, I love how Paul, he starts sharing his story about this mystery. He starts sharing his story. His story, that's his story of what he was called to do. That's the story that God wanted to write for his life. 
And what he is, he's sharing it to this church body. He's sharing it to this group of people to say, look, this is what it's about. Is that my story involves sharing this mystery. Sharing this mystery to a group of people that didn't know about it. Sharing this mystery of who Jesus is and what he came to do to a group of people that needed something more. And he, so he shares his story. See, God's plan for revealing the good news, and that's what we're talking about, is Paul's writing about his good news, the good news of his life, the story of God, God saved him, the story of how God gave him a, 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 a mission, a, a ministry, a, a peace that he was to follow, a faith journey that he was to walk. And in this faith journey, he was to reveal the good news to people that he encountered. The good news, again, the story of how Jesus came, how Jesus died, and how Jesus saved people through his grace. See, the, the piece that's so interesting in this is Paul shares, starts to begin his story and sharing his stories, that each of us have our own story that we have, that God has given us. The story how God has, has changed our life, the story how God has accepted us and brought us into his family, has saved us by grace, because the truth is, is that we can't earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. He just gave it to us because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us and he wants us to belong. And that's the story that we have. That's the good news that we have. And so the interesting thing in all of this for me is this, is how many times we get caught up and saying, well, what do I have to share or what do I have to offer or what could I possibly do for somebody else is this, is you can simply share the story of what God is doing in your life right now. And watch him show up. We are so afraid of offending people. Let me just say this. We live in a world where everyone has the right to be offended. Who cares? I'm not supposed to say this as a counselor, but as a pastor, I will say it. Get over it. My dad used to preach that to me. It was a wonderful saying. Guys, our story of how God has saved us will offend people. You know what it is? They don't get it. They haven't experienced it. They need somebody to share it with them. And so here's what I see in Paul's story, in Paul's writing here, is that God has a plan for this world to experience more. God has a plan for, and he uses the word, word Gentiles here. He has a plan for this mystery, this mystery of the good news, this mystery of what Jesus came to do. He has a plan for how this is to be brought into the world and to, for people to come to know it. What I'm learning as I read this first three chapters is that when we're, when we're in God's plan and in the plan to reveal the good news to the world, that it requires complete devotion. And here's what I mean by this. It doesn't require perfection, but it requires complete devotion. And this is what it means to me. That I am going to walk my faith journey out, and I'm going to take steps of faith. There will come a day when I will get frustrated. There has been days when I am frustrated. There has been days when I don't feel like doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you, Dale. And so I didn't even look at him for that. It was beautiful. And so one of the things that's interesting is sometimes we get frustrated. And so when we get frustrated, we want to do what? Give up quick. Check out, throw in the towel. 
Do you know that God even uses those moments to bring you closer to Him? Amen. Do you know that even in those moments, God uses those moments to draw you in and to refocus you? See, complete devotion is not whether I get frustrated and want to give up. Complete devotion is that I keep taking steps of faith when I am frustrated and I don't want to give up. Complete devotion. See, here's what's interesting in this piece. What do, you, what do we hear about when Paul's writing this? We get the idea that he's where? In jail. In jail. In prison. I won't ask, has anybody been here in prison? <laughs> but I've heard wonderful stories about people who are in prison and how they hate it. The interesting thing in this is Paul's in a place where he is in prison. He's incarcerated and he looks at it and, he, and he's there because of what he was doing. Not wrong, but he was there because he was preaching the mystery to people who they, others thought didn't deserve to hear about the mystery. He was there because he was carrying out what God had given him to do. The very gift that God had given him. The very thing that God wanted him to do. He was in prison. He was incarcerated. He was bound up because he was doing the very thing God had called him to do. Guess what? When we're doing the very thing that God has called us to do, there will become times when we feel like we're in prison or we're suffering or we're not getting what we need. Or we're not doing what, what something is wrong. There will be these places where we'll sit, where we're carrying out the very thing God called us to do where things just won't be right and I love how Paul says you know what here I am but I have a story a mystery to reveal to people and I want you to learn from this see Paul says this for this reason I Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. In other words, I was in prison because I was doing exactly what Jesus called me to do on behalf of you Gentiles, on behalf of those who were not a part of God's family. This is why I'm in prison, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. This stewardship was this, this piece uh, that he was given to carry out. Not only was it his story, his personal story of transformation, but it was this, this, his story that God was writing of how he was to preach the good news, this mystery to other people. How this mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. This revelation piece, this, this word revelation, is we have to understand is that when it was made known to him, this revelation is making something known. See, he was in this, this mystery piece, this idea of how Gentiles were supposed to be brought into the family of God was a mystery because at the time God's children said, no, you've got to stay over there. You can't belong. And this mystery that, that Jesus brought about by his death, burial, and resurrection, by his blood that was shed was this grace that was shown to not only the Jew but to the Gentiles so that they may become all part of God's family. And there won't be separation. There won't be division. God never intended division to happen. That's not his plan. His story is about bringing people into where they belong to the Father and are a part of his family. Colossians 1, 24 to 26 says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you 
to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. See, this, this, this story that God was writing in His life went far beyond the personal story. It went to the story that was His life being transformed. But what happens afterwards? What takes place after our lives are transformed? What do we do? And it's this plan to bring the good news to people. See, as we, we look at this and we know that it requires complete devotion, complete, complete stay in the course even when we fall, even when we, when, we, when we stumble, even when we lose sight of things, we come back to it. There's a piece of this church when we started, and a lot of times it confuses people, so I want to bring some clarity to this. We have a section that's called, we have a, 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 a ministry, a, a, a piece of our church that's called Be the Church. And a lot of times people read that and they're like, what does this mean? Like, why are we, why is this, why don't we just call it outreach? That makes more sense to me, outreach. Because when we're living out what God has called us to, we have to be the church that he's called us to be. So we have to be the church. And not only do we have to be the church in our community, but we have to be the church in our church. And so there's two components to it. This be the church piece that we're so, that we're, we're caught on and that we're looking for and that, uh, that we're going to start seeing more and more come out of this is that we are going to be the church in our community. We are going to be out there loving people, not just so that they're loved, but so that they meet a God that loves them and they hear the good news that came to save them. And so that God starts to write their own story on their life of transformation. This be the church piece that a part of light point is who we are to be in this world. See, we're not just going to go and do outreach. We're going to do the very thing he called us to do, which is be the church in our community. And that's the piece that I want us to understand that as we, as we live out this and as he, we start God living out this plan to reveal the good news to our world, it requires something from the church. It requires something from our church body. It requires that one, we start living out this idea of what it means to be the church, not only amongst each other, but in the community in which we live. And in order, what it requires for us first is this, in verse 4 to 6, it reads this, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. In other words, this is no longer this is no longer mine, but what I want you to do is I want you to start gaining understanding of what Christ has told me to do, what the mission that Christ has given me. I want you to start perceiving and getting insight into what's going on and what's been done in my life and what I've, what I've been called to do. And so he's allowing this piece uh, that outsiders would know what's going on or people that don't know would understand that there's a mystery of Christ that needs to be known to people, that it's no longer hidden, but it needs to be revealed. That it's no longer just for certain people, but it's for all people. And this is the piece that we get into in this piece, and it goes on, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations. In other words, this mystery of everyone belonging to God and everyone having a place because of Jesus' grace that he's shown, that there's something else that wasn't known before, but because of what Jesus did, it now can be known. Made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow what? Heirs. Do you know what that means? 
See, beforehand it was this. God's people, the Jews, were heirs. They were the chosen ones. They were the specific ones laid aside for, for God's favor. And they were specifically laid aside as those that belonged to him. They were heirs to his kingdom. They were heirs to the father, the king of all kings. They were, that's who they were. I want us to grasp this piece. He goes on, he says this. Fellow heirs, member of the same body and partakers of the, the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's through this gospel piece that we have to understand this good news piece that because of this and what we receiving that and we responding to what Jesus had done, that we become heirs. We become his children. We become recipients of his promise. We become recipients of a God that loves us. We are no longer excluded, but we are included in what he has for us. See, I believe as a church that the number one thing we have to start doing is we have to start believing this in our own church, Amen. in our own lives. Amen. We have to take a step and say, you know what? I believe that I belong to the Father. I believe that this is as much a story of, of somebody else's life that it's a part of my life too. That we believe this so heavily that it, it, it builds up in us. And that, that because we have a place to belong and because we are key, our children of, of, a, of, a, of our Father in heaven and we are loved by Him and we are saved by Him and we are transformed by Him and we are now accepted by Him and we are loved by Him, that because of this, I have to believe it. In other words, I have to let it come in. I have to let it take over me. And because I believe it, it, it propels me to do something. It propels me to walk something out. It, it, it forces me to live something out in this world. Because I believe it so much. I want you to think about this. In this world, there's a lot of people that believe a lot of different things. If you don't believe me, go turn on one of your local news stations. CNN, Fox News, your preference, whatever you want to listen to. There are people that get caught on something and they believe it so much that they use it to do what? They use it to drive their purpose in life. They use it to drive what they care most about. They believe something so much that it becomes what their whole life is consumed about. How about we start believing in the good news of the Father and what Jesus did that it drives us to live out the purpose he has for us. See, when we think about this idea more in God's plan, see, it requires from us something from us. See, when it's revealed, Paul writes about this. When you read this, you can perceive my insight. You can get an idea of this. And then because we get an idea of it, we have to believe it. Galatians 3.29 says this. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings. Heirs according to the promise. See, if we belong to Christ, this peace, this, this idea that we belong to him and that we are a part of this, this is the peace that we start believing. And because we believe it, it propels us to do something else. See, as we live out God's plan, not only do we have to believe it, but we have to, to not limit it. 
I love in Paul when Paul writes this, verses 7 to 8. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now notice that in this passage, in this verse that we just read, that it wasn't this. It was, I did so well in life that God blessed me with a ministry. I made all the right decisions, and so God gave me this big ministry. I made all these right decisions, so God gave me a purpose in life. I did all the right things, and so God gave me a purpose. But what does Paul say? Because in the church world, what do we do? We try to start to qualify people. We start to deem people whether they're qualified to carry out the share the good news. We start to we start to qualify and tell people whether they're qualified or unqualified. We start to limit what God can do. When we start telling people no and you can't do this and you shouldn't do this and I'm sorry, no. We start to limit what God can do. Now there are certain areas that we're gifted in that we need to be released to serve in. There are certain areas that we are not gifted in that we should not be serving in. Case in point. Do you see me up here singing? No. Thank you, Jason. That will not happen. Y'all will run for the doors. So there's this piece where we have to know where we're gifted. That's not limiting God. It's helping people find out what this gift of ministry is. What this gift that's been given. See, Paul had been given... This piece of this gospel, I, may, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. See, <coughs> when it comes down to it, it comes down to the working of his power. <clears throat> to me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach the, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, what Paul's saying is this. I made so many poor decisions in trying to kill the church. I made so many poor decisions in trying to wipe this movement out. Matter of fact, I was responsible for killing people. I was responsible for putting the fear of something into people to keep them from sharing the good news. Paul's desire was that this, this, this movement, this, this message, this mystery would end. And he was so, he was so passionate about this piece that he spent, a, a, a part, he spent his life in that season trying to kill it. Trying to keep it from spreading. The very thing that Paul was trying to destroy is the very ministry that God gave him to carry out life. If we would stop limiting what God can do, we'll actually start seeing the, the, the riches of who He is. If we stop trying to limit what we think He can do in our lives, and this is what I want us to hear today. If we'll stop limiting what He can do in our lives, maybe we'll see a faith journey that is far more abundantly than we could ever imagine. 
Maybe as a church, if we stop limiting what he can do by our faithfulness, we'll get to see him move in this community and this world in an amazing way. Paul, I love how God took the very thing that Paul was trying to destroy. And he took that very thing from him. He took the very thing he was trying to stop. And he said, you know what? I'm going to transform your life and rather destroy it. I'm going to let you fuel it. I'm going to let you carry it out. I'm going to let you bring it to the uttermost parts of the world. And I'm going to let you suffer for it. I'm going to let you experience joy in it. I'm going to let you experience all the things that I have. I'm going to let you experience more than you can abundantly imagine for the very thing you tried to take out. What's that thing that inside you're trying to suppress? That you're telling God you can't do? The very thing you can, you're, you're afraid to walk out. Maybe rather than listening to that voice, listen to the voice of God that says, I want to do something more with that. See, we can't limit what God's going to do. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 reads this. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I'm what? I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. That was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. The third piece, the third thing that this requires of the church to carry out this plan is this, is we need to make it known. We need to make the good news known. Verses 9 and 10 says this, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of this mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Guys, this, this, this piece, this mystery, this thing that Paul's writing about is we need to make known that there is a Savior that loves you regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you come from. There is a Savior that wants to rescue people, that wants to bring people out of darkness and into light, that wants to rescue people from being wounded and into a place where they're healed, that wants to take people from a place of death to a place of life. And this is the God that we have. This is the mystery that we have an opportunity opportunity to make known to our world and we start by how we share the story of God has taken us from a place of darkness to a place of light taking us from a place of death to a place of life and we do this and we need to make it known to this world and to the people that we do life with and the people that we encounter and when we do this we see God do something amazing he goes so that through the church the manifold, and we talked about this word manifold a while back. This word manifold means a variety. It means many. It means a lot. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might no, now be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. And it's so interesting because what it talks about here is we're not talking about an earthly piece here. We're moving to a spiritual piece here. Go to Ephesians 6.12. If you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians 6, 12 and read this. This is a piece that I want us to, to, to get with this. Is that we're no longer talking about an earthly piece. We're talking about a heavenly piece, a spiritual piece that says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, our struggle is not against each other. Our struggle is not against those people who are offended easily. Our struggle is not against those people we disagree with. That's not our struggle. Our struggle is this. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
See, what we're up against is not people who are easily offended. What we're up against is a spiritual force that is trying to take capture of people and tell them that they have a right to be offended, that tells them they have a right not to receive the good news, that tells them they have a right to live their own life, that tells them they have a right to have their own God that's not God. See, there's this fight that goes on that we have to know is that this is what we're up against. It's not people. Guys, there's a darkness in this world that as a church we are up against. And we have to hit it face on with no fear and with the power of our Father who loves us and saved us and transformed our lives. And when we approach it in this way, that it's not people we're against, it's against a, a darkness in this world that's trying to take one soul, one life after another. And the fight is worth it. And it is, it is worth it to make it known that there is a Savior that loves them. And it's our job as the church to realize we're not against people who have fallen and who have been trapped by a lie or deception. We're against the darkness that has them captured. And we have someone that's going to bring light into their life and rescue them and save them. And that's what we need to focus in on. How do we make it known? And lastly, our job as a church is this. Is to, it requires us to focus on the purpose, not the outcome. Verse 11, 13 says this. This was according to the eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. See, for his, his plan to be known, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. This was his plan. This is what he wanted. For this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. See, the purpose here, notice that, it got, that Paul's all about the purpose. He's all about doing, carrying out the purpose. Do you notice there, he's not talking about an outcome. He's talking about a purpose of carrying out this mystery, of sharing this mystery. And he does it with boldness. He's not afraid. There's no fear there. He doesn't get wrapped up in the suffering. He doesn't get wrapped up in the stumbling. But he's, he's about Jesus and making this eternal thing happen where people come to know him. And it's an eternal transformation, not just an earthly one. See, we live in an outcome-driven society. We live in a society where it's all about the outcome. And let us focus as a church about our purpose. Our purpose is to make the good news known to the people around us. God don't care worry about the outcome. Here's what I noticed when I get started focusing on the outcome as a church, as a pastor, I start getting discouraged. You know why? Because I don't always see the outcome. I don't always see the good things happen. No. And then let's be honest, a lot of times the outcome I want to see doesn't come in the time that I want to see it happen. But if I focus on my purpose, if I focus on what he's called me to do, I promise you the outcome will happen. There's a saying in this church, if you haven't heard it, I'll share it with you today. It says, keep first things first. Focus on the purpose that he's given us, to love him, to love each other, and to make the good news known to the world.
Matthew 6, 33, it says, 34 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May we be a church that focuses in on the purpose that he's given us. To love him with everything, to trust him and have a faith journey like no other. May we love each other deeply, but may we take that next step and be the church in our community and make the good news known so that the heavenly places are locked. May we go at the darkness like no other. May we take foothold in people's lives so that they can experience healing. They can experience a new life. And it starts with letting them know about this mystery of the good news what Jesus did in our lives, in our lives in this church. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you, and we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a purpose that's beyond us, that's more than us. And Father, as we look at Paul and what he wrote in Ephesians, as he shared about his own struggles, but he shared about this mystery and how he came to share this mystery and reveal this mystery and allow people to understand it, Lord, that there was a reason behind it. So that the church would know that our goal, our reason, and one of our purposes is, is to let this be known to the world that we live in. Lord, may we be a church that shines the light of you in this world. A dark and hurting world, Lord. May souls be saved out of darkness. Just like ours, Lord. Just like ours, Lord. May we, we find, allow people a place to belong, a place to grow, a place to be transformed. Lord, as we live out what you've called us to do, we love you and praise you and ask, Lord, that we would not lose sight of the purpose that you've given us. And we will allow you to worry about the outcome. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in all things. Help us to be faithful in walking out what you've called us to. Be with the group as they go down to, to Jefferson City this week. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would make you known to the people they encounter. That they would carry out the very purpose that you've given us. 